Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. Um, man, you guys, I'm, I'm excited to be home. I was in North Carolina this weekend. Um, I was invited to speak at a student justice conference at NC State in Raleigh. And um, it was a smaller, smaller gathering. But I got to be honest with you guys, like if I wouldn't have spoken, I still would have wanted to go because it was such a significant gathering. I was I was there with Matt Lockett from Bound for Life. I don't know if any of you guys know the ministry of Bound for Life. Those are the people that wear the life tape over their, over their mouths. Do you guys remember those, those people? And every single day, they have a missions base in Washington, D.C., 20 minutes from Capitol Hill. And every single day, there's a group of, of missionaries, prayer missionaries to Washington, D.C. for nearly the last decade that have gone to stand at the foot of the Supreme Court steps and pray and intercede for the unborn babies of our nation. I mean, just that is a significant ministry, guys. I mean, I was just blown away by the stuff that he shared and, and the connection um, that he made to, you know, different civil rights movements in the past and social justice movements in the past. And uh, he was there with a guy named Will Ford. And you, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these people, Will Ford and Matt Lockett, but they have like the craziest story ever. Uh, Will Ford... He, he's a black man. Lockett is a white man, all right? And Will Ford's ancestors were slaves, and they were owned by Matt Lockett's ancestors, who were the slave owners. And they've now reconciled, and they are doing ministry together. They, dude, it is the most amazing. I got set on fire, man. I'm serious. I was like, I was weeping and like, excited and like I just got lit up for like racial reconciliation I was like what are you serious like the story you guys like with Lockett right like the civil war ended in this dude's ancestors front yard like seriously it's like a historical fact right and so some of them left after that time some went to Kentucky some went to Louisiana and that's where Will Ford is from Louisiana and they travel around with this big kettle pot that's 200 years old that after one of Will's ancestors was killed, they would turn the kettle pot upside down and pray in intercession underneath of it so their voices would be muffled so they wouldn't get beaten as a result of praying because the guy wouldn't let them pray. And now as a result, like centuries later, the same great-great-great-grandfather that murdered Will's great-great-great-grandfather, their grandkids are doing ministry together and the prayers of those slaves from the kettle pot are being answered. And they're like releasing like a movement of racial reconciliation all over the US. Are you kidding me? I'm like, that is insane. I was like, how can you guys just come to Nashville? Can you guys come to Nashville? Can you guys share this story in Nashville? You know, so... And I just, I'm really glad, you know, Carl, we have like one of the most racially blended churches I've been to in a while. And I'm stoked on that. Like interracial couples, hey, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right, we are. So pumped on that, man. I got stoked when I was there for that. And then um, who else was there? Um, yeah, that was it. There were some other people. Some senators was there. I mean, it was like, it was, 
Some senators, I don't even think that's proper grammar. Yeah, a few of them, some senators was there. I'm excited, okay, forgive me, okay. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome, man. I mean, these young people, they just, they pray and fast like it's their job, like they're missionaries for prayer and fasting, to pray over the laws, pray over the, the Senate, pray over the Congress, pray over the election. I mean, they're just doing some awesome stuff. I felt a little bit like a fish out of water there because I was like, man, you guys pray a lot. And like, I love prayer, but like you guys are praying like six, seven hours a day. Like I'm inspired, you know? I left there and I was like, am I really saved? You know? Oh, I'm just kidding. But those, those guys are awesome, man. So I love that. Um, I love having significant encounters with Jesus. How about you guys? Um, they're so good. They're so good. Like, especially when you don't even expect them. Especially when it just almost seems accidental. Like you're just going to a normal routine church service on Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. at a church called Legacy Nashville. And all of a sudden you just run smack dab in the face of Jesus and your life gets changed forever. And I love encounters like that, man. I really do feel like that we are a house, legacy, we're a family, we're a community that really champions and really values meeting the real Jesus. Like, I don't want to just do religious games. I don't want to just read the Bible. I want the Bible to read me, and I want my lifestyle to look like the scriptures, and I want to have a real encounter with the real Jesus. What about you guys? Like, that's what I signed up for. I, I, I really didn't sign up to push and punch my religious time clock just to go, you know, to church and, like, do the right stuff. Like, I really want to see God. Seriously, you guys. Like, when I first got saved, I had no idea how to study the Bible. I had no idea how to Christian, you know. And I just started reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I ran across Exodus chapter 33 where Moses sees God. And, you know, I was listening to some teaching at the time, and I, I realized that a superior blessing would not be reserved for an inferior covenant. And if Moses of the old covenant could have a real encounter with Yahweh, with God, then me, as a New Testament, New Covenant Christian, could have a real encounter with God. Amen? If he could do it, why can't we? Why aren't we, you know? And so I'm like, God, I just need to see you. That's how I, I really cut my teeth as a young Christian, as a, you know, somebody reading the word and praying. I would turn all the lights on in my bedroom at night when I would pray these prayers because I, was, I would get so afraid that God would actually show up. I would turn on the TV. I'd turn on the radio. I'd turn on my iPod. I'd flip on my laptop. I mean, I'd flip the, the lights on it, and it would be like midnight, and I'd be pacing around my bed, like trembling, thinking, if God actually shows up in here, what's going to happen to me? Women, y'all just need to pray for me because I see in the Bible every time an angel shows up to a woman, you know, she's like, here I am, Lord. And every time an angel shows up to a man, he falls on the ground like a dead man. So you guys have some kind of like special grace, man, for encounters. So you guys just need to lay hands on me. I don't know what that is, but, you know, I, 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 I feel like for me personally, like as a believer, like I would consider myself to be a Christian that really values encounter and really desires encounters with Jesus. Like, I believe we can have them. What about you guys? Can I get a good amen? I believe we can have them. I believe that we're a place of encounter. 
I believe we're a family, we're a community, we're a church, we're a network. Uh, I mean, what we have with Iris Global, what we have with Legacy, like we're a, we're a house that values encounter. I know that Iris is a place that really values encounters. And I get the chance to go to the Harvest School on average once a year, which is in Mozambique to the mission school there. And I get a chance to speak to the students. I'm planning on going this year. And there's a common thread that I find each and every school that I go to. And it's, it's really crazy that I'm always asked this question, but when I talk to some of the students, they say, man, do you think I'm gonna have the encounter with God that I came here for? There's only two weeks left of school. I mean, that's a really common question, you guys. People will say things like, man, I came to Mozambique so that, so that my life could be changed forever by an encounter with God, and I don't think I've had it yet. Will you please pray for me? I know a lot of times, I mean, we don't have to go to the harvest school to think like that. I think a lot of times today, like, we feel like, wow, we had an encounter with God years ago, but where's the fresh encounter? Like, where's the fresh touch? Like, where's that fresh awakening, man? I feel like dead in my spirit. I feel, like Leah was saying, I feel angry with the Lord. I feel bitter. I feel, you know, lackluster. I feel mediocre in my walk with the Lord. Like, where's my encounter? Or maybe you haven't slacked off. Maybe you've been pursuing the Lord with hunger, but you just haven't had that substantial encounter with God that you've really been longing for. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody in here felt that way before, right? You're like, man, this is great. I I love going to church, reading the word, getting in prayer, but I really want to have a substantial encounter with the Lord. And honestly, guys, I feel like that that's where I am right now, where I'm like, I just need to see the real Jesus, you know, like I just really need to have like a, a, a real encounter with God. Perhaps some of you guys in here, you're in the same boat. And, you know, in discussing encounters, the great thing about them is that they always change our lives. Right? Amen? But the tough thing about them is that we often have to wait for them. And that kind of sucks. Right? Who wants to be patient, Right? Want it now, man. That's the tough thing about encounters. We often have to wait for them. Or they happen and we're not ready for them. Or they happen in a way that we never even expected them to happen. Maybe we were waiting for an encounter in prayer, but we got an encounter through our spouse. Hello, right? Or maybe, okay, so everyone's not married in here. Maybe we were waiting for an encounter with God in prayer, but we had an encounter through a child. Like we literally saw God in that kid. And we're like, wow, I am transformed. I can't go on living life the exact same way because of that one sentence that kid uttered. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you're praying and you're not getting an encounter with God in the prayer closet, but you're getting it through your boss who you dislike. Right? So that happens. Or, you know, we have encounters with God and we simply don't even realize we have encounters with God. We're just transformed and we're doing life. We don't realize we've we've had an encounter. We don't realize we've been transformed. We just look up one day and then all of a sudden it dawns on us, I'm different. Four months ago, something significant happened in my life. As a result, I'm now different. Guys, I think that actually happens to us a lot more than we think it does, to be honest with you. And I want to read a passage to you from Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 15. Then I'm going to skip over to 28 through 32. I think that's right. Let me check once more. 28 through 32, yes. So if you want to open up your Bibles, you can do that. 
If not, your U version or whatever. I don't have a keynote tonight, so that's why I'm saying that. So um, we're going to read verses um, 13 through 15 and 28 through 32. 13 through 15. So you guys all know this story. It's a it's a popular story in the Bible. It's just after the resurrection of Jesus. And 13 through 15 says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. So you got these two friends. They're walking it out, right? They're just walking out their life together. They're doing life together. They're going about their day-to-day, their routine, their normal. They're going to work. They're doing their nine-to-five, talking about God, talking about their faith, talking about how they feel about God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes out of nowhere as an unsuspecting, uninvited traveler and then shows up right there in their midst, but they don't even recognize him. They don't even, it's like Jesus with a hoodie on. Right, like they don't even realize this is the Lord Jesus, right? The same one we're talking about, he's now walking with us. So let's scroll down here to verse 28 through 32. And they approached the village where they were going. So you gotta think, they, have, they maybe, maybe were walking a few miles, it was seven miles from Jerusalem. And uh, he acted, Jesus, as though he were going farther. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Does this picture not look similar to the same fellowship that Christ had with his disciples in the, in the upper room of, of the Last Supper, right? It's a similar, it's a familiar scene. And, and breaking it, he began giving it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. That's, that's, that's pretty phenomenal, right? They said to one another, and oh my Lord, this sentence itself is just so marking. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Anybody know that feeling? Completely routine Bible study. Completely routine devotional in the morning with some coffee. Completely routine Sunday afternoon. Completely routine Sunday morning. Completely routine, I'm headed over to my friend's house for some dinner. We have no plans to even talk about Jesus. But all of a sudden, a conversation happens and our hearts are burning within us about what God's doing in our lives. Out of nowhere, completely routine. Jesus is sitting there with them. They're receiving bread from him, just like the Last Supper. And when they fellowship with him, when they come to a place of communion, when they start to eat the bread, they begin to realize who's, who they're hanging out with, and that's Jesus. These men had an encounter with God and did not even know it. Could it be that we actually have a lot more encounters with God than we think we do? I just want you to ask yourself that question. I know you're hungry in here for an encounter. You're hungry for a fresh touch from the Lord. But could it be that you're actually having a lot more encounters than you think? 
Is it possible that sometimes that we get so caught up in our schedules that we have encounters with Jesus and we don't even realize it? Could that be possible? Perhaps we've had conversations with friends about encounters and not realize that Jesus was sitting down at the table right there the entire time fellowshipping with us. And we're like, man, our hearts are burning. Like we're talking about God. Our hearts are burning in this Mexican restaurant. You know, we're having some guacamole. And my heart's just burning, man. And it's not the tapatio. You know what I'm saying? Just my heart is burning. Like we have a lot more encounters with God than we think we do, church. Honestly, I really do believe that. I think that you actually have a lot more encounters with God than you think you do. I think that we collectively have, as a family, even here on Sunday, I think that we have a lot more encounters with Jesus than we think we do. Because if we're only expecting one expression of encounter, we'll typically be let down if it doesn't happen the way that we think that it should. But God is really into teaching us how to receive from him uniquely different when he brings us into a uniquely different season. Because as we grow, the way that we eat changes. Amen? So it's possible for us to have encounters with God and not even know it because seasons have shifted. Our hearts are burning. We're talking to our, our friends. We're crying out for an encounter. But could it be that you're actually in the middle of one? Could it be that you're actually having an encounter with God? right now, right? Is it possible? We are a people of encounter. But if our only focus is on like the next big radical encounter that throws us to the ground, we might run the risk of overlooking the encounter that God wants to give us today. God is totally a God of encounter. He's totally a God of big, gigantic, awe-inspiring moments. But how many of you guys know, since he created our first parents, all God really wants to do with his kids is take a walk in the cool of the day with the ones that he loves? Amen? Are you guys getting anything out of this? Because I think it's important that we recognize from time to time that it's not just about this big lightning bolt that's gonna fall out of the sky, but it's also about taking our hand into Jesus's and just simply gently being led in the cool of the day, walking this thing out. There truly, guys, in my opinion, is a miracle in our midst tonight, right now. And I think it, there's a miracle in your midst on your job. I think there's a miracle in your midst on a coffee shop. I think there's a miracle in your midst just hanging out with your friends. And to further solidify how much God longs to reveal himself when we least expect it, I think that there is just something about Jesus that's revealed to us in the scriptures about how much he loves to do things in secret. Like if you think about it, if you really think about how much God work, how much God loves to work in secret, it starts to become obvious in the scriptures. I mean, let's look at the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed at a wedding in a town called Cana, right? He he actually took water and he turned it into wine. But the only people that knew of this miracle were his disciples, his mama, and the wait staff, right? Could it be that we're actually drinking a lot of wine, not realizing that just 10 minutes ago it was water? 
being refreshed, being sustained, being blessed, being upheld, being encouraged. And we're like, oh, it's just average. It's a little, wow, this is pretty good, it's decent. But God did a miracle in your midst. God did a miracle in your life. There is a miracle, guys, in our midst. You have to have eyes to see it. Think about how often that Jesus prayed for somebody in the street or in the synagogue in the back corner, prayed for them, healed them, a limb grew out, cancer was made to flee. And then the next thing he says is, hey, don't tell anybody. Shh, just keep it to yourself. I, I don't mind to work in secret. There's a miracle in our midst. How oftentimes was Jesus in the front? He had the lectern. He had the scroll. He was preaching and declaring the gospel of the kingdom. And then in the back or in the front or in the middle or wherever, a demon shouts, right? A demonized person, an oppressed, possessed person shouts. And the demons start to declare who he is. And he says, shh, be quiet. Hey, you be quiet. Not time to reveal that. I'm actually totally comfortable with my identity. So let's just keep that secret. Shh. It's okay, just be quiet. I'm actually working. I don't need you to actually tell anybody about it. Shh. A miracle in our midst, working in secret, undercover. When Jesus started to preach and talk about giving, especially giving to the poor, he said something crazy. He said, when you give to the poor, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He said, whenever you give, in the poor, give to the poor, I want you to just give in secret. Don't even tell anybody. Don't announce it. Don't talk about it. Don't tweet about it. Just do it and keep it a secret. So you guys, honestly, when I, when I first got saved, I would, I would, I'm, I'm just now sharing this. I've shared it one other time. But I would actually stop in emergency rooms at hospitals and go in and see if I could pray for people. And then I would intentionally keep it a secret because I knew that it would bring about like maybe like a bigger reward or something. I was like, I don't know. I just read about this in scripture. So I don't want to brag about it. I just want it to keep it between me and God. You know what I'm saying? Because like every now and then you just have to reserve stuff for God. I mean, I totally reserve stuff for my wife. I don't tell you guys every detail about our life. You know, and if we have an intimate relationship with Jesus, there's some stuff that we just keep reserved for him. Why? Because he's an intimate lover of ours. And as a result, we just keep some things a secret because he's comfortable with that. And he likes to work as a miracle in our midst. You know, it's just something about secrecy. God likes to work undercover. When he started to teach about prayer, he said, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to go into your inner room. I want you to go into your closet, and then I want you to pray in secret. Keep it quiet. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you know, the secrets of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God are given to you, my disciples. But to other people, I'm going to speak to them in parables. Now, how many of you guys would be honest and say that, you know, you've heard somebody talk about how awesome it is that God does things in secret? It is, okay, it's so rare, right? Because as a culture, especially as a, as a westernized culture that knows fast food is bad for them, but eats it anyway because it's quick and it doesn't require any work, right? We obsess over outcomes. 
We obsess over the big moment. We obsess over the big breakthrough. We obsess over the big encounter. We obsess over this huge thing happening. And those big things do happen. But it's important that as disciples, as we draw close to Jesus and as we grow in maturity, we have to have ears to hear and eyes to see what God does and what he likes to do and how he operates as not just the big, loud thunder, but the still, small voice. Because God is super big, but he is not boisterous. God is way big, but he's not braggadocious. Why in the world does he speak with a still, small voice? He doesn't need to yell. He's so close, a whisper is all that's required. That's how close he is. That's why he longs to do it in secret. He's totally a God of moments, huge moments but he's also a God of great subtleties. I think it's a benchmark of maturity to instead of being so consumed or concerned or worried or bummed out that we're not getting the encounter that we need, that we should open our eyes to the encounter that we're currently having. As um, Bill Johnson said, you seldom find what you're not looking for, which I think is just so much wisdom packed in that little practical statement. So is it possible for us to be like the men on the road to Emmaus from time to time? Hanging out together, walking along together, doing life, going to our job. But then Jesus is speaking to us. And in fact, he's speaking to us for hours. He's speaking to us for days. He's speaking to us for months. And we're having an encounter with the God that created us and we don't even recognize it. We don't even realize it because it's happening through somebody that we don't even deem as important. In fact, they're just seemingly an uninformed stranger. And yet we're having an encounter right then and there through that person. I think that a lot of the encounters that we overlook actually come to us through other people. I think that they come to us through strangers. I think that they come to us through our kids. I think that they come to us through our friends. I think that they come uh, you know, to us through our spouses. Because how many of you guys know that Jesus loves to hide himself within other people, especially those that we, that we least expect him to bless? I mean, we read in the Gospels where he says, if you've done it unto the poor, you've done it unto me, right? How many of you guys know that Jesus actually hides himself within people that we least expect him to hang around? But those are actually the ones that he hangs out with most. Right? When you've you've done it unto them, you've done it unto me, which is why I always got in trouble when I lived in India for giving the babies too much rice. Because I'm like, hey, they're the least of these, so I'm piling on the rice, man. Because I'm like, I'm not just serving a kid, I'm serving Jesus. And if Jesus came to my house for dinner, he's getting double portion of rice. <laughs> right? Just poof, poof. They're like, hey, hey, it's a, it's a toddler. No, it's Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Who are you interacting with that God is longing to reveal himself through? The men on the road to Emmaus thought that they were just talking to another stranger when in fact they were having an encounter with the one that created them. Who are we hanging out with? Who are we talking to? Who are we spending time with that that God actually wants us to to have an encounter through? I'll tell you guys a quick story. 
So when I went to Pemba in 2009, in Pemba, Mozambique, I, I worked there as a, as a staffer, as a part of the Harvest School. So I was a part of the staff team there, and we helped to facilitate the school, and you know, we facilitated outreaches and things like that. But also in that same season, I started a nonprofit organization called Mercy 29, which is a part of our church today. Um, and our first project that we ever sponsored was actually in Pemba, Mozambique. There were 13 semi-orphan children that lived with their disabled grandmothers on the other side of the base that a missionary from Canada was responsible for day in and day out. Well, just so happened that whenever I was there for the school, he was actually on furlough in Canada. And so he asked me, would you mind to look after these kids while I'm away in Canada? I, you know, you're sponsoring the project. You're funding the project. You have relationship with these children. Would you, you know, spend time with them, hang out with them, and just, you know, be a dad to them um, while I'm away? And of course, I said, sure. I was planning on being with them every day anyway, because there was one little girl there named Zina who I'd grown really fond of. She's like a spiritual daughter to me. So I was really excited about getting to spend the summer there and kind of just take responsibility for these 13 children. So my days, guys, were super long, and I, was, I felt like I was so busy. Like I would start every single morning. Uh, I'd get up early. I'd take the kids breakfast. It was like right at sunrise. I'd have some prayer time. I'd go over. The kids would be waking up. We'd eat some cereal or something like that, take them to school. Then I would go to the mission school. I'd be there all day until, or until lunchtime. And then I would go and eat lunch with them at their house, take a nap in their hut. And then I would come back for the evening service for the harvest school. So I was like, I was like literally on, I don't know, 12 hours a day or something for like a long time, like almost three months. So by the end of this three months, I was super exhausted. And the entire time I was there, I was saying the exact same thing to God that so many students have said to me since, which is I'm here, I'm in Mozambique. I don't have access you know, to the world around me, social media, anything like that. Like I'm here for an encounter with God. I'm here to help the poor. I'm here to do this stuff, but I really want God to crash in. I wanna have this life-changing, miraculous encounter with Jesus you know, where he steps out of eternity and into time. And like I see him in the flesh and and I levitate or something, or I don't know, like vanish through a wall like Jesus. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I need something awesome to happen in my life. I want to have like something special. And so I'm just dreaming big, you know, and going for it. And every day I'm working 12 hours and I'm super exhausted. And I'm thinking at the end of the school, God, this was amazing. And what a great privilege, but I haven't had that encounter. And guys, I'd had, ama I'd had like a lot of amazing days in the school, like just weeping and crying and enjoying God and the Holy Spirit and just joy and just so many amazing things, outreaches and miracles and things that happened in the Bible were happening around us. And it was just so awesome. But here I was at the end of this school, you know, three months later, exhausted, thinking, God, I have not seen your glory. Same thing I prayed early on in life or my Christian life, rather, the same thing I'd been praying throughout my walk with Jesus, the same thing I'd been talking to my friends about and my heart burning within me. I was here at this point in my life in Pemba thinking, God, I really expected to have that Exodus 33 glory encounter with you on this trip here in Pemba, but I just haven't had it. And I really wanna see your glory, God. Show me your face. I really wanna see your glory. It was the last day of the school. It was graduation, and at the end, 
uh, Heidi, Mama Heidi, she always has the staff come up and, and she blesses them with some gifts, some, you know, like small souvenirs from Mozambique. And so she said, all the staff, I want you to come up and I want you to sit on the steps and we're gonna pray for you and bless you and we're gonna give you some gifts. And so you guys just come up here to the front. Now, the school was pretty small at the time, so it wasn't a ton of staff. So I was with, you know, a few dozen people sitting down on the steps. And I was so tired in that moment, but so grateful, so thankful for the summer that I just started to lift my hands and I started to worship. And I I started to say, God, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. But more than anything else, God, I really want to see your face. I really want to behold your glory. I really want to have an encounter with you. I really want to have that big encounter with you, God, that changes my life. I want to see your face. I want to see your face, God. And as I started to pray that out, it started to break me. It started to move me on the inside. It went just from like, you know, a a slight warmth to a true heart burning, you guys. Like I was truly, truly broken to see this happen. And as I started to cry, I began to feel hands of people coming around me, starting to pray for me. And and they started to cry. I could hear them crying. And they were praying in the spirit. They were praying praying over me with like real boldness and fervency. And like, I felt like I, had, I just had a crowd of people come around me and start to lay hands on me and just, and just release blessing. And they, you know, they were going for it, you know, they're praying in the spirit, just going for it. And I'm just weeping, you know, saying, God, I want to see your glory. God, I want to see your face. God, I want to have the encounter. God, I want to see you. And, and honestly, guys, like, I felt like something started to happen to me. Like, even my face got hot, man, and I was crying and you know, I'm just, I'm just like, wow, Lord, is this it? Because I want to have it so bad. And he said, you're having the encounter. You've seen me face to face. Open up your eyes. And I opened up my eyes. And all of the people who were surrounding me and praying for me was the 13 little kids that I've been serving throughout the entire summer. And they were all crying. And they were praying in the spirit. And they were laying hands on me. And they were saying, Jesus, and obviously they're speaking in Portuguese, but, you know, bless Papa Lyle. Bless Papa Lyle. You know, they're praying for me, just, just crying out to God on my behalf. You know, mais, mais, more, 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 more fire, mais fogo for Papa Lyle. You know, they're just praying for me. They're, they're, they're just crying. They're laying on the ground, and we're going for it. And God said, open up your eyes. And I said, well, Lord, this is amazing, but, you know, I really want to see your face. And he said, you have. You saw my face in each and every one of these 13 children's face when you, when you gave to me, when you got up early, when you prayed for me, when you picked me up, when you carried that man to the bus stop that was paralyzed from the top of the hill all the way to the bus stop and then gave him some money so he could catch the bus and you didn't care about getting your clothes filthy dirty. You saw me. You had an encounter with me face to face. You actually beheld my glory. And that's what happened here. You've had the encounter, but you didn't have it in the way that you expected. You had it in these babies. You had it with these kids. I realized in that moment, like, wow, how many encounters have I missed because I'm looking for something mystical when in fact it's been God within the person next to me the entire time trying to give me an encounter and trying to allow me to see his beauty and his glory and receive his power and to be transformed as a result of how he works undercover, of how he works in secret, how he conceals himself in the people that we're closest to, who we look at as just being routine and normal, not realizing that they, in fact, are the image bearers of God that have an appointment with us for our next transformative encounter. 
that is available for all of us. I think we're having a lot more encounters than we realize, guys. I actually think we're having encounters with Jesus a lot more often than we give ourselves credit for. I think we're actually being transformed. It might be subtly, but it's actually happening. You're actually having the encounters that you're crying out for, and I think you're not realizing it. Some people have said to me, well, I just didn't get what I thought I would get in 15. You know, I bet in the next three to six months, you're gonna look back and think, actually, that did happen to me in 15. I actually just didn't realize it, but now I see the growth in my life and the transformation in my life. Praise God for that encounter. Even though I didn't realize it, God, you were so faithful to give it to me. I'm gonna close with this scripture. It's a little obscure passage in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one is, is something that I love so much. And, and in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter one, there's actually six or seven just promises about our inheritance in there, you guys. Like as a result of our faith in the bridegroom, like we get so much. I mean, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, like we get the Holy Spirit. Our sins are taken, taken away from us. We receive the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. We come into the family. All that is right there in Ephesians chapter one. I mean, look at all of the blessings that we receive. Look at our inheritance as a result of our faith in the bridegroom. I mean, it's, it's just so full of great stuff. But then there's verse 18, which is, has an obscure connection. And in verse 18 says this, I pray, you guys just received this. The apostle Paul uh, prayed this and wrote that. He, said, he uh, wrote this, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I mean, that's like, just lay, you know, <laughs> I just lay hands on myself sometimes, you know. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of Jesus' calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? And these last three words are so special. In the saints. In the saints. Do you know there's actually a portion of your glorious inheritance that is hidden, that is embedded within the saints, within the bride? within the people that you know, within the people that you don't even realize are carrying an encounter just for you. We get a tremendous portion of our inheritance as a result of our faith in the bridegroom, but I actually think that there is a portion of our inheritance that's reserved for us that we get as a result of our connection to the bride. And it's right there for us. There's an encounter right there for us, right when the person's sitting next to you. Because everyone in here is the image bearer of God. He fashioned them male and female alike in his image. And you look at 1 John, I think it's chapter, chapter 3, verse 2. or uh, I could be wrong on that. I'll have to tweet you later. If you don't find it, just tweet me. But, you know, it's, it, it teaches us that when we see God, we'll become like God. That when we see him, we'll become like him. And if every single one of us in here are image bearers of God, when we look at one another, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we see him? Because there's somebody in here right now that's an, that's an appointed encounter for you. For you to be transformed. For you to behold the glory of God. For you to see the face of God. I think we, we actually have, guys, a lot more encounters with God than we think we do. 
And I'll close with this. You know when the men realized it was Jesus? Communion. They realized it was Jesus in the fellowship. They realized it was Jesus in the shared meal. They realized it was Jesus when they stopped long enough to just sit down, chill out, and have a piece of bread. In that moment, they realized, I'm actually walking with Jesus here. Like, it's true. What he said is actually true. Like, he resurrected. Like, he's right here. He's right here in our midst. We were having an encounter the entire time, and we missed it. And that's the invitation that I want to make tonight as as I'm closing. Is that actually that we would purpose in our heart to come to a place of communion with Jesus. So that we wouldn't miss out on all the encounters that God wants to give to us, give to us day in and day out. He's totally in the big encounters. He's totally in the thunder and the lightning. He's totally in that. But he's also in the subtle, still, small voice. And he wants to speak to you in that way. And he wants to invite you into a fellowship, into a communion where we don't just see, you know, God as just big spikes and, you know, hills and valleys, but we see it as a journey, as a walk in the cool of the day with the one that created us, the lover of our soul, who we have absolute, complete freedom to communicate with as a result of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you when he was hung up and when he died and when he poured out his body and his blood and everything that that happened on the Mount of Golgotha 2,000 years ago was so that you would have complete 100% access to encounters, daily bread, the glory of the Father, and that we would have them with one another and truly be a body and a bride. So let's, as we stand tonight, let's just come to a place of communion together. Let's just come to a place of fellowship with the Holy Spirit together in our hearts. If you don't mind, just as you stand, just just bow your head and, and close your eyes. Just wanna give you a moment to just kind of, just let whatever the Holy Spirit might wanna do to just kind of sink in on you, okay? God, where where have we missed you? God, would you show us a place right now that, that you were with us, but we didn't see it? Would you show us a place about today? Today, this day, Sunday. Where have you been with us today? We missed it. Where, where, where was I walking with you in intimacy and I, I didn't recognize it? Where was I walking with you this previous week and didn't see it? Could you make us, God, a people that's more aware of your presence? Could you make us, God, a people that's more perceptive of the Holy Spirit? Could you make us a people that's more discerning to your glory, to the encounters that you have for us that are hidden and secret? You said that you speak to your disciples to your friends, to your loved ones, that you reveal the secrets of heaven. Others you may speak in parables, but not to us, God. You're not hard to understand. You are not hard to understand to your friends because you reveal things openly to us because we're your friends. So where we've made this thing too hard, God, 
just, we just let go of that. We're not out in the crowd, Lord. We've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. We're friends of God. Thank you, Lord. just a little just a moment longer for some of you guys that have had just this long journey of of not seeing Jesus or not recognizing Jesus or you feel like you've been on this road to Emmaus you know like man bummer God he died three days ago I haven't seen him really had some hope in him, thought something great was going to happen, but nope. Just give yourself permission right now to have a different experience. Give yourself permission to have a garden of Eden, cool of the day experience with the one that created you, because you're actually free to do that. And I want you to know that you have permission to walk with your God. There's someone here tonight giving you permission to walk with God. been given permission to walk with God. dismissed this evening we're going to make the altar a place of prayer if you'd like to come and receive prayer there's going to be people up here wearing badges who are ready to pray for you tonight Um, anything at all that you need doesn't matter if you need prayer for anything the people up here are equipped and ready to serve you pray for you bless you just come on up and for everyone else we want to dismiss you with a a priestly blessing with a, a biblical prayer and want to send you out for your week with this blessing. Is it working? (laughs) No? Okay. There it is. Hey, why don't we do this since we've been talking about encounters through other people? Just put a hand on the person next to your shoulder or whatever and just read this out loud, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Yeah, bless you guys. Bless one another real good. Love you guys. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.